We usually don't appreciate our shoulders until there's a problem and we're in pain, or they don't work. But how do you know when it's time to seek help for shoulder pain? Joining me today is Dr. Bo Naismith-Loy, orthopedist at Northern Inyo Healthcare District, to talk about arthroscopy, shoulder pain, and more. I'm Maggie McKay. Welcome to Mountain Medicine, the official podcast of Northern Inyo Healthcare District. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Loy. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, Maggie, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. When it comes to shoulder pain, what are some of the symptoms that make it enough to go to the doctor or the ER? So my specialty is sports medicine and arthroscopy. And so if you're out there skiing, hiking, backpacking, you know, rock climbing, and you fall and your shoulder hurts, sometimes, you know, myself included, I would try to ignore it for a few days, but certain injuries need to be seen sooner than others. And it's one of those things that if your shoulder's not getting better the way you expect, or you still have lagging pain, particularly if you have loss of function, that's time to get checked out. And that's time to make sure that you get seen. You don't have an injury that needs to get treated. And what's the main cause of shoulder pain? Well, it depends on the age group. So if we break it down into the older age group, just the main cause for a lot of things is arthritis. And that's kind of its own different beast. And arthritis pathway would go down towards possible injections and maybe a replacement type of surgery, total shoulder or a reverse total shoulder. More up my alley, and I do those surgeries, but more up my alley and about this talk is sports medicine. And one of the more common ones is rotator cuff injury or labral injuries. And what are the risks? I mean, like lifestyle, like sports that you do? I mean, if you're not using your shoulder and you're not out there being active, you're probably not going to tear your rotator cuff at a young age. Now, it's, it's common in older age to do it with lifting things overhead, and that's not uncommon. But my philosophy is, you know, go out there, live a good life, be active. You injure yourself, come on in, we'll get you fixed up. So let's say you injure yourself, you need to go to the doctor, but not the ER, but you got to wait for an appointment. So what do you do to relieve the pain in between? Heat or ice, ice or heat, which kind of pain reliever? Yeah, that's like still the, the great myth. No one really has a, a direct answer, but I just believe in if it's worked for you for 10 years, don't let some doctor tell you otherwise. If ice seems to work for you at night to cool things down, but you need to warm yourself up with a heating pad in the morning, then go for it. In the acute phase, and we've all probably rolled our ankles and they get swollen, Ice can help with swelling. Ice and elevation. If it's your shoulder, you can't really elevate it. But ice, compression, elevation, and then pick your poison for home medications that you can get, like Tylenol and ibuprofen, which I still use frequently. And I find them the best first line is to start there. And can shoulder pain be a warning of a heart attack? So definitely not up my alley, but absolutely. So radiating shoulder pain with no trauma, and you just wake up and you have that jaw, upper shoulder pain rating to your left side, that can be very concerning. So if you have cardiac risk, that's absolutely something to take seriously. So if you're right-handed or left-handed, do you have more chance of injuring the main arm that you use? The short answer is they're about the same, but from just anecdotally, people tend to injure their dominant side because they tend to be doing things more. So a lot of this is lifting things overhead, and people tend to favor their dominant arm. So it's a little bit more likely on the dominant side. What does it mean if you're moderately active and you, say, lift weights three times a week, and your shoulder is constantly clicking, like, you know, when you just move it around toward the back? Is that a bad thing? So not all pops and clicks are bad, but a mechanical symptom like a block to range of motion is bad, and that's often a soft tissue injury kind of flapping in the joint. But I tell my patients this all the time. I've personally had surgery on one extremity. 
and I say, oh, look, I had surgery on this one extremity and I can bend my knee and pop it. And that's my non-operative knee and things just pop sometimes and that's okay. But popping with pain or not being able to perform the way you want to is concerning and that's something to be checked out. In particular, if there's a specific motion you can do with your arm, that could be indicative of a labral injury, the soft tissue around the shoulder, and that could be kind of flapping into the joint. So that's something to consider. All right, crazy question, but is it possible for the position you sleep in to cause, over time, shoulder damage? Pretty unlikely to cause shoulder damage for sleeping funny. Generally speaking, if you're going to injure your shoulder, it needs to be bad enough that you wouldn't sleep through it. However, after surgery, yes. So if you have surgery and you get your shoulder fixed, then we often use slings and immobilizers to keep the shoulder in a safe position to prevent these abnormal positions. But no, it's not common to have slept for 10 years in a certain way and be like, oh, now you need surgery. You know, when we age, sometimes people have to get hip replacements. What about shoulder? Do they wear out? So the beauty of it is your hip, your knee, they're weight-bearing joints. And the shoulder's not weight-bearing technically. So they don't wear out the same kind of way. And that's actually one of the things that I did an extra year of training to go make sure I could do shoulders and total shoulders and reverse total shoulders with an expert. So it doesn't wear out. They're fantastic surgeries. And if a hip fails, there's all sorts of revisions you'd have to do. And if a shoulder fails with the implants that I use, you can go from an anatomic total shoulder in a relatively easy process, flip it to a reverse. And the indications for that are oftentimes if the soft tissue and the muscles about the shoulder are failing, you can then go to a reverse sometime down the road. So shoulders are a great kind of replacement surgery. Hips are more common, knees are more common, but shoulders are fantastic. Tell us about the treatment. You mentioned what you use. How involved is it and what's the recovery like and what do you do? Let's pick one diagnosis and go down that path and then we can kind of talk a bit more about it. So if you injure your shoulder, you now have weakness lifting your shoulder in front of you or to the side of you and you've torn your rotator cuff and your MRI shows a rotator cuff tear, then the philosophy is you need to get that tendon and reattach it back to the bone. So my preferred method is arthroscopic rotator cuff repair, and that means using poke holes so you can fit in instruments about the size of a Bic pen, so pretty small, and then you can inflate the joint with water so you can see everything, and you see this torn rotator cuff off the bone, and you debride the diseased tissue, and then you scrape the bone to create this healthy bleeding bed of bone, and then you take this tendon and you reattach it to this bleeding bed of bone so that this bone wants to heal back to this tendon. And I use what is called a double row technique. And that is using sutures and anchors on one side to pass it up and through the rotator cuff, bring it back and over and compress it down to that bleeding bone with a second lateral row of anchors and sutures. And they perform quite well. And it's one of my favorite surgeries. And what's recovery like? So we mentioned that earlier, the shoulder immobilizer and the sling. So I kind of tell people, everyone's a little different, but I tell people it's three sets of six weeks. So six weeks of healing. And in that phase, it's real gentle range of motion exercises. You work with your physical therapist, but you are wearing a sling and an immobilizer for six weeks. And then six weeks of working on range of motion exercises. And then followed by six weeks of working on strengthening exercises. And then a lot of people feel better quickly, but the process, I think, take it as a good sign. Sometimes people, even up to a year later, are saying that their shoulder feels stronger and stronger. So 
once you've torn that tendon and it's non-functional, you got to let that thing heal down before you move it. But once it does, people tend to feel much, much better and much stronger. Dr. Loy, what about arthroplasty? Yeah, so shoulder replacement surgery, it's a different beast. So that's more the arthritic shoulder. That's the shoulder that isn't a torn rotator cuff and to go forward with a anatomic shoulder replacement versus a reverse total shoulder replacement. That would indicate that you have to have your rotator cuff intact. And that's a little different. So that's using an open incision, kind of what you'd think surgery would be, cutting down, dissecting down, finding the joint, and then you debride the diseased and arthritic joint and you replace both sides of the joint. So some surgeries are what's called hemiarthroplasty, just half of it. You replace just the ball side. But usually speaking, and more common, is a total joint, and that's replacing both the ball and the socket. You cut out the diseased portion, and you implant metal implants with a high molecular weight polyethylene liner, which is a fancy way of saying plastic between the two. And the recovery is quite nice, so you have to wait for a few of the tendons to heal but people can oftentimes wake up immediately and start moving their shoulder and they know, oh, it's not arthritic. It doesn't pop and click and bounce around anymore. This feels better. It's arthroplasty. It's a wonder that when people walk in with really bad joints, how quickly they feel better. How did you choose sports medicine? Yeah, so I guess I chose surgery first. I was always very hands-on. I knew I wanted to work with my hands and physically kind of build something. And then within that, because of the building, and I like the aesthetics of orthopedic surgery, it's just you're actually building something, you're using your hands, you can see it on x-ray, it's very mechanical. And then within it, sports medicine, young sports injuries, I take people who were once very healthy, very active, and they can't do it. And then with surgery, with help, with hopefully guidance and education, they get back to it. So... To me, it's taking someone in the prime of their life and getting them back to it as quickly as possible. I really enjoy that. And it's a really broad field. Sports medicine is quite broad, and some other fields may be considered more narrow, but I just, I like it. It's fun. Were you an athlete in grade school, high school? Yeah, I was a fantastic (laughs) athlete in grade school. In the class of four of us at my really small elementary school, I was in the top five. And then I played sports in high school. I played intramurals in college and I played all that kind of stuff. And I still, you know, ski and ride dirt bikes and surf when I can. And you you don't live out in the Sierras and surf. But no, I wasn't like a D1 college athlete or anything. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes football players have an injury and they get healed and they're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it for other people. Okay. So... Earlier, we mentioned about you hurt yourself, you have to go get it treated, but maybe you can't get into an appointment fast enough. How crucial is it in some cases to get to see someone right away if you can't get into the doctor? Just go to the ER or? Well, yeah. So if you've dislocated your shoulder, and people generally have a good sense of it. If you dislocate your shoulder, if you can't control bleeding, if you're feeling so sick or your chest hurts or you thought you maybe just hurt your shoulder and it's radiating to your neck and you're worried about a heart attack, go to the ER. But if you twist your knee and it's popping and clicking and it's 2 o'clock in the morning when you get back from the mountain because you you know went out to dinner or whatever, it's just late, do you need to go to the ER because your knee's hurting and it doesn't feel right after you twisted it? No, you can wait till the next day to go. And you can see your primary care doctor or you can see us and people generally know. If you are concerned and you're scared and you can't sleep because of it, get checked. But if you have a good sense of it and it feels like that time you heard it a few years ago, that's okay to wait. And like we said, ice, elevate, 
ibuprofen, Tylenol. That should be enough. Good to know. Dr. Loy, this information is so useful. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your expertise and all those years of med school. Thanks, Maggie. I appreciate it. And all those years of competitive elementary athletics, right? That's Dr. Bo Naismith-Loy, orthopedist at Northern Inyo Healthcare District. For a consultation with Dr. Loy, please call Northern Inyo Associates Orthopedic Clinic at 760-873-2605. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out our entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thank you for listening to Mountain Medicine, the official podcast of Northern Inyo Healthcare District. I'm Maggie McKay. Be well.